Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. As always, it is so great to have you. This episode is brought to you by the Acrobatics of Kareem Hunt. It's also brought to you by Zabo Apparel Company. They got all your Winter Browns gear, S-Z-A-B-O apparel.com. This episode, Raleigh and I celebrate Victory Wednesday, discussing our victory over the Philadelphia Eagles this past weekend. We talk about Thanksgiving, a whole other mess of stuff. Then we bring on our friend James Johnson, who's the manager of the Jaguars Wire, which is part of USA Today's NFL Wire Network, also co-host Believing in the Jaguars podcast, the number one Jaguars podcast on the internet. His contact info, his Twitter, everything about him is in the episode description. Let's get into it. Let's go. It is live. I hit the button. <laughs> Wait, did you just say you have laundry to do? I have laundry to do after this podcast, and I'm bro. doing that right now. So let's have some fun. Bro, you got to get married. Highly recommend. Shout out, Kate. Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast for the Tuesday Booze Day Victory Week. Number seven. Holy shit, we have seven wins. And what are we? We got 11? We're in uncharted waters. 12? And I'm in a great mood to pot tonight. Welcome back, as Raleigh said. Raleigh. The Thanksgiving special. The Thanksgiving special. And this is Kevin as well. It is a Thanksgiving special. Happy Thanksgiving week to all. This is a big one. There's a lot to be thankful for this year. I am thankful as shit. I feel like people did a lot more reflection this year than they ever had before in their lives. Uh, yeah, a lot of alone time. A lot of downtime. <laughs> We started a podcast before it was cool to start a podcast in isolation, so shout out us. But yeah. and we'll be going long after isolation ends, so yeah, you can't touch us. To, yeah, this is uh, positive vibes, positive vibes, and I'm not saying that like we need to make this positive. I'm just saying I am flowing with positive vibes, thankful ass positive vibes, and this is good stuff. Welcome back, dear listeners. The Cleveland Browns are seven and three. Repeat: the Cleveland Browns are seven and three. Kevin, how was your weekend? My weekend was fantastic. It was two weeks in a row of watching it alone on my couch at home. And I'm going to try and keep that up as long as I can. One, because with how nasty COVID is in both Chicago and Cleveland right now, I don't even want to go. And I'm really not a big – I follow the rules. I wear my mask. But I've gone out to bars and restaurants, ones that are more outdoors and patios. So I'm not been completely shut in because of Corona, but after what we're seeing right now with all the reports and whatnot, now I am, and I'm not going to a big bar for a while at least. So uh, that long story right there is shortened up. And I could say, I'm going to watch on my couch because it's been good luck so far. Seven and three is something I don't even remember what it looks like or what it sounds like. It's something that we, for the most part, just have never seen. So I am loving this wave and I want it to keep going for as long as possible. You and me both, buddy. I was doing a lot of, we're going to talk about what we're thankful later. Um, I I was thinking about this in the shower this morning, Corona, and I don't mean to sound insensitive here, but you know, a lot of people have been going through a lot of tough situations economically. Um, it's a shit world out there, except to me. Like in 2020, I 
got married. Shout out Kate. Um, I get to work from home, which I love it. A lot of people, they don't have that luxury. This guy does. I became sick at golf over the summer. Got a new driver. Like I, it's incredible. And the Cleveland Browns, it, where it seems like every team we've interviewed, the representative from that team, they're like struggling. We're doing the total opposite of that. And it's just like the inverse. It's like the summer of George and Seinfeld for the Browns and for me. And it's great. I don't mind the isolation. Um, I don't cheat at COVID. I use it as, as an excuse to not see people that otherwise I'd have to see. Yes. If I, if I, yes. really, if I really want to see somebody, guess what? We'll do it and we'll do it safely. And uh, it's fantastic. So I want it all to stop. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to be thankful for how it's been to me thus far. So two things there. First of all, yeah, there's no denying that with or without a pandemic, this would have been the best life of your or best year of your life, regardless. Cause you know, I'm, I'm told when you get married, that's the best thing so far and the Browns and all this stuff. So yeah, you've been riding a, a great 2020 with or without the, the pandemic, but I don't think you see this being insensitive. I think what you just did, well, you have a lot of good things, but I think everyone needs to be more glass half full and look at what positives came out of Corona. Like for me, uh, and this is going to sound weird and cliche, but I learned a hell of a lot about myself because I've never spent this much time alone in isolation, like by myself in my apartment working all day. You know, obviously I go out and see people at night or on the weekends, but uh, I don't think we've been collectively this lonely as a, as a society, as, a, as the human race ever. So I think a lot of people found out a lot about themselves that, you know, they found out things that they should be doing, should be doing, they found some new hobbies. Uh, they've maybe finally recognized some things they need to change in their lives. You know, I've, you know, uh, halfway through quarantine, I had to have a, a big boy talk with myself and realize that I have to find ways to keep getting out of the house. If I sit here all day long, I'm going to lose my mind. So uh, that's my thing on that. Where the heck were we going after that? Cause I just lost my whole train of thought. Um, oh, now, speaking of which, I uh, I got to still figure out what to get you guys for your wedding. I was going to wait till all the gifts came in, so I didn't get you guys a repeat gift. So remind me, I still got to get something for you someday. Oh, one second. Kate, is there anything left on the registry? registry? Yeah. I'm not getting some stupid, like, picture or something or – Hey, you're wait, gonna, the $500 vacuum is always left on those damn registries. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got everyone's registry. No, no, no. We lobbied. I lobbied so hard against the $500 vacuum. Me and my it's buddy. On everyone's. Jared, no, I did not want a $500 vacuum. I will get a, the vacuum we have serves its purpose. There is no point in buying a $500 vacuum. If the sensibly priced vacuum that you have ends up dying, you get a new vacuum. You can uh, do that like numerous times in 20 years and you're going to be fine. You're going to see savings. Do not get the $500 vacuum. You can't get the $500 vacuum on our registry because I made sure it wasn't there. So that $20 Amazon vacuum, the red one, what's it called? The dirt. I don't know what the hell it is. The but dirt, it's sick. I it's had that it's 20 or 30 bucks. I've had it for years and yeah, don't hate on the cheap price. What I, I realized I was going to ask you before I lost my train of thought. Uh, what is your take on, and if Kate can hear this too in the background, everyone, some were still going on. And I think people were, people Snapchatting and Instagramming it were just making a lot of people angry, which I love watching people get angry over shit like that. So it was fun for me. But anyway, what is your take on all these Friendsgivings being canceled this year? Did you care? Ooh, we are going to, there were less of them. The one or about less. Yeah. Less of them. I was, I was all for it. I was thrilled. Yeah, very Absolutely okay with thrilled. 
very okay with the percentage of Friendsgivings that have been canceled. The one that is not canceled for us is the only one we're going to, and that's the one I'm most excited for. So I am put that another another check in the win box for Team Raleigh. Um, it, was, it was so funny watching people try to out drama each other because you got people that were posting pictures of them doing their Friendsgiving, and then you got people that were uh, posting – other Instagrams, like in the city, you see like, you know, you're going story to story, you'll see one of a friend's giving and the next one is just like a, a black screen with a, a text message of, you know, shame on all you people for doing these friends givings. You not have any respect. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, are both people right? You can make arguments for both ways, but I just love seeing people try to out drama the other. It was just so much fun. Cause I, I live for that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. And um, no, that's a, uh, that's a fair point. I, yeah, the, back and forth it's on social media it's like the total opposite of what's going on in my life right now granted you know brown specific instagram meme account it can be crazy but yeah people are insane i don't give a shit and i can just not look at my phone not deal with you not go to the events that you invited me to that i didn't want to go to before there was a pandemic and now the pandemic gives me clause to not go to without ruffling any feathers and yeah Silver linings, man. Left and right. You can find them. We're still doing gotta, it. That wasn't just a maintain that mentality. That was just oh, our give, summer theme. And holy shit, we got Tim Couch and Phil Dawson on the podcast. That doesn't happen non-quarantine. <laughs> they were bored too. A lot of good guests. Yeah. Emily so. Baker. Oh, this is uh 2020. It's uh I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not done yet, but a lot of silver linings, a lot of stuff to be thankful for. But should we get into the Browns now? Let's talk about it. We're on Victory Tuesday. Well, you're listening to this now. It's Wednesday, so it's Victory Wednesday. What a game. What a game indeed. And again, I, people keep saying this too, and I, I'm glad Stefanski said it because I was saying the same thing after the game. Uh, again, one more time, just, you know, people associated with Cleveland, their name Kevin, are just always on top of their game. When you, someone asked him in the press conference after the game, of course, uh, how about that ugly win or whatever they said? He goes, there's no such thing as an ugly win. A win is a win. And it's like, my man, Vin Diesel, like I've said before, Fast and the Furious, it don't, it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning is winning. We are 7-3, and three, and yet you still have these buffoons on social media and the Facebook groups and some of the media, like, well, this happened, this happened. You know, Baker should have hit Harrison Bryant for that one pass. Like, guys, we are winning football games, and you want to tear <laughs> apart this dumb little minuscule Stupid things, and it just made, I'm just I'm, like I said last time. I'm just laughing at it now. I don't care. We're seven and three. If you're not happy with that, get the hell off the train. Bye bye. I, I got to jump onto that. What you just said. People were criticizing Baker for missing the the play in the end zone. Dude, <laughs> he missed the, Harrison for one throw. He, it was it was like a it was like a 94 drive that he 94 yard drive that he led. Like he hit Hollywood on a bomb before that in yep. the goddamn Gale Force win. Yeah, for yeah guys. Uh, Baker is purposely missing these throws. Didn't you guys know that? And you know that Raleigh? He, he purposely misses guys in the end zone. He, he wants to miss that. He doesn't like scoring touchdowns. He hates it. Some guy commented on like uh, one of my posts. He said it's time for Baker to be benched after he missed that throw. And I oh said, oh my God. I said, shut your stupid mouth, kid. I don't know if he was a kid or not. Do you and ever. Then, but everybody, I felt kind of bad because people just tore this dude to shred. It was like an entire community. The tidal wave. Supported each other in the most negative way possible. Well, 
supporting each other positively by being negative to this kid. And he ended up blocking me, and uh, hopefully we cyberbullied him into becoming a better person. Far be it for me to think I'm smarter than anybody, because I sure as hell am not. But do you ever wish, you know, there's all these privacy features on social media now of how we can follow you, who can see you, this and that. This doesn't count people who have actual issues and problems, but just kind of in general, people that could take, they have to take a common sense test before following you. Oh, like a stupid before being filter? able to before yeah before being able to comment or or message you have to take some kind of common sense test. Do you know how much less trash we on the internet in our feeds? Uh, no, they'd still fight. It's it's not like they're gonna just just because they failed your test. Uh, you might be onto something there. We can talk about it. Don't, I don't want to give our ideas away. But that was uh hey, how about that defense stepping up without mile without <laughs> mile without mile? Excuse me. Uh, Olivia Vera Vernon with his he, three sacks. Where, he's here. He showed up. He's back, months, baby. A year and a half later, he's here. So, yeah, three sacks. Uh, where has that been? You got Mac Wilson almost had the pick. And it was I saw a lot of people on Twitter. Literally, my whole feed was like, man, 51 is just not playing well. This is not working out. And then literally, I think it was a Cleveland reporter, Weather Girl, somebody, she made this tweet. Literally, a 30 seconds later, she had a reply to that tweet. She goes, you're welcome, guys, because she jinxed it. Uh, he had that pick, but turned out not being a pick in the end zone. But I was so happy for him to see that. Defense rallied. Uh, Denzel Ward. Stud. He, no, uh, what else do you want to say? Denzel Ward is a shut, lockdown cornerback. He's an absolute stud. Rarely do we have first-rounders work out for us, and he is excelling. God damn it. He strained his – sprained his calf or something and yeah the news today was that miles garrett and denzel ward are both out for jacksonville and and, and that's just god teaching us a lesson reminding us that we can never be too happy well, why do you think that well, yeah look the Cavs won in 2016 and then we indians lost the world series after being up three to one because god was like oh shit i messed up i actually like couldn't win whoa their happiness is a little bit too he's far like yeah on. let's take out your let's yeah. reel it back and let's haunt their dreams for my man, my man, JC up above, he was like, yo, these Browns fans are wild a little too much right now. They're playing a little, music's a little too loud down there. They're dancing a little too much. We got to remind them who they are. So let's take out their two best defensive players for a game. So I don't know. They said it's just calf, right? There's yeah. really not. And that's just such a vague, easy. Uh, no one, I, no one can actually pinpoint what happened. He was fine. He had an unreal game. And then after the game, I think he was out there still, you know, high five and people up. No one knows what the hell happened. So hopefully that comes out. If not, whatever. But I hope he comes back soon. His Instagram post today scared the shit out of me. What did it say? His Instagram post today, it was, uh, it was like him like on both knees during the Jack- – I think it was during the Philly game. Um, and it was, it was just one of those uh, – a quote about, you know, something about God and hopefully he's back soon or something like that. I, I, don't quote me for that. But it was one of those like I'm out for a little while kind of Instagram posts. Damn it. We're still no. thankful. We're still thankful. But hey, that defense stepped the hell up. Uh, Miles, watching Miles kind of, it wasn't live tweeting, but he was still tweeting during the game a few times, was hilarious. And he was so proud of that team, and he couldn't say enough. That D-line, I mean, everybody stepped up uh, and played out of their minds. And that just shows, again, we said this the last few episodes now, for the first time ever, we have a team that thoroughly enjoys, genuinely enjoys playing with one another. And they'll pick each other up when they're down. You saw when uh, when Ward went down, you got all the guys already tweeting like Denzel, we got you, we got you. Um, so yeah, after I, the I, game, that was after, after the game. game. After, no tweeting. one's tweeting. Yeah, we're we're way past that era. We're past that era. <laughs> yeah. But defense, man. And then let's talk about our our boys on the other side of the ball. Uh, and 
Kareem and Chubb, Team Chunt, they are just animals. I, I thought Baker, I thought he looked good. He had some darts out there that he threw that they were really well timed. It just the exact right spot. No picks. Yeah, it's a goddamn gale force win. We still got to play the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. If you haven't heard the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, we'll end the episode with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be kind of ceremony. Yeah, whatever. We'll play at the end of the episode. But listen to that song after you listen to this podcast and just think of the weather you've seen in Cleveland for the past three games. People keep talking what about the hell? Exactly. People are like, oh, he hasn't had a tough passing touchdown, this and that. Guys, first of all, I don't know if anyone noticed. You really can't see it nowadays with, t- with how nice our TVs are, of course. Uh, the rain did not stop for one second the entire game. And it wasn't just a drizzle. It was pouring rain the entire time the wind was there again the last three games uh i it's a wash stats wise for everyone and anyone i don't care you're not throwing a ball in that everyone that's obsessed with your pat mahomes Aaron, they're not throwing the ball in that stuff and making you know throwing for 400 yards so i just think it's hilarious that still baker came out executed the game plan we won for some reason people are still saying whoa you know i didn't see any sidearm front backflip passes like Mahomes might do. So what's up with Baker out there? I'm so sick of that stuff. And again, we're going to sound like broken records at this point, but uh, that touchdown, Chubb set it up. Kareem ran it in. I have watched that video a hundred times because Kareem just hurtling over five guys. It's hilarious. And also notice Wyatt Teller blocks and or pancakes three guys during that play <laughs> look on the left side of the line three guys he blocks and then kareem is doing some olympic he looks like he was moonwalking up over into the end zone it's so great and i love that chubb and kareem are legit are very good friends they really really do enjoy each other and i'm so glad there's not that like you're getting the ball more when i just ran 100 yards now you get to score the touchdown instead like it's not there and they I pick love each it. other up it's I love fantastic i love a team finally i love it I was thinking about this, uh, I think it was yesterday. Could you imagine, well, let's say there was some like scientific like device, this is highly unrealistic, where you could be like in that moment where Kareem was, if you attempted to do that super hurdle that he did, or if I tried to do it with the ball, what that would look like and what the result of the play would be. I'd get like six inches off the air, off the ground. Oh, we'd be maybe. hospitalized. And I, it would just, I'd be lucky to walk again. Coma. But he, but he just flew, and it was, God, it was mad. Like, I, we said this last week. I just love what he does after contact. It's like he's better after he gets hit, is from what the, the naked eye would tell you, in my opinion. But, no, big shots, all them. Uh, receivers, you know, Kaderil Hodge, uh, Hollywood. I'm going to agree. Stepping up, baby. They're stepping they up. I'm going to agree with the broader Cleveland media, or at least people on the radio, saying that uh, Jarvis Landry is – he's got to be hurt. Uh, He was two for two passes on Sunday. But a guy like Jarvis, you know, even when you're keeping the ball on the ground for the weather and whatnot and when you have the two best backs in the league, Jarvis is still a guy that would always get involved in the game somewhere, somehow, and make a a couple big plays here and there. And that was just not – that was not there. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't he do that – didn't he do that uh, around the back where he did the uh, the late uh, pitch to I think it was Kareem? Well, yeah, but I mean, I, he just I just he hasn't been Jarvis. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still going to. That pull was a that sick stuff. play, Kevin. That yeah, was a no, sick play. Credit where due. I know, but he just hasn't been Jarvis, and I something's. He said he's fine. He said he's healthy, but I don't think he's healthy. And I am but a half of a podcast 
here. I have no credibility on that, but that's my opinion, and I'm staying with it. I like it. Um, I just thought of a sick game. I don't know if it'll be a sick game. I just thought of it in my mind. We're going to play a game where we each say what we're thankful for. I'll go, and then you have to say something, and then I'll say something, and then you say something, and then the first person to balk loses. Okay. All right. I am thankful for Kevin Stefanski. Thankful for my family. Kareem Hunt. Seven and three. Kate. Uh, my family's health and happiness. My new driver. Being seven and three. The cultural reform in the locker room. Having a job. Uh, Mr. And Mils- Mr. and Mrs. Wilkinson. I have to diddle that because – I win. Yeah, then you cheated. Well, that's not. But like, I, I, Captain Dave and Lori, you have to. I mean, shots of the the Wilkinson family. You had, you can't not diddle that. All right, well, all right. Oh, remember we, on Instagram, happy belated birthday to Captain Dave too. Happy birthday, Mr. Wilkinson. Um, happy birthday to Wyatt Teller. It was over the weekend as well. Or two happy birthday, ago. Pancake Chef Teller. Shit, that might have been like two weekends ago. Either way, hey, thank God that counts. Better late than never. All of you listening, go to your loved ones, those that matter to you, and tell them you're thankful for them. And if you're going to get on social media and tweet at the Browns, tell a Browns player that you're thankful for them. Doesn't Even if it's Sendejo. The guy gets so much shit. He's trying his best. I realize he's oh. not ideal, but there's no point in like calling for his name in the streets, psychos. As I see Kevin's forehead... Just we'll leave this in day hole. Yeah. Thankful. You make a good point. You make, you make a good point. We're seven and three. Uh, should we get into this interview? Yep. So coming on the podcast here today, as always, I'd like to bring someone on from the opposing sideline. Our friend James Johnson, who manages the Jaguars Wire, which is part of USA Today, their uh, NFL Wire Network. He's also, you can find him in print in the USA Today sports section on Wednesdays. He's a co-host of Believe in the Jaguars podcast. We'll have all that in the episode description. Uh, let's get over to it. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Wait a second, Kevin. Wait a second. Don't sign off yet. Before we get into this interview, Kevin, let's have our listeners call into the MuniLot payphone where the sick answers will be read on the Friday Five. Um, if you're living under a rock or the 480 Bridge, shout out as always to our 480 Bridge listeners. We started a new segment and released it last Friday called the Friday Five. We're giving you everything about the upcoming game, the quick hits, the headlines, the betting, the spread, injuries, five minutes in and out. And as Rob was about to explain, the Media Lab payphone now. So call 216-282-5063 and tell us what you're thankful about. Again, 216-282-5063. After the episode, just call the goddamn Media Lab and say you're thankful about something. If you're of legal age and do it responsibly, drink a few barley pops before doing it. Remember, it's the Munilab payphone. Uh, but now I can say, on behalf of us, happy Thanksgiving to you and your families. Hope everyone's safe and has an enjoyable holiday. And we'll see you right after the holiday. Go Browns. <laughs> Go Browns. Baby, a song, you make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. We now welcome on the Dogs of War podcast, Mr. James Johnson. James is manager of the Jaguars Wire, which is part of USA Today, SMG's NFL Wire Network. He's a co-host of Believe in the Jaguars podcast. Mr. Johnson, sir, welcome to the Dogs of War podcast, and thank you for joining us. 
thank y'all for having me, man. And thank y'all for the patience as well. I had to take care of some stuff. I was stuck in traffic before now. But uh, yeah, man, I'm glad to talk football. Anytime somebody reaches out to me to talk football, nine times out of 10, I can't decline because that's just my thing. So I'm glad to be on. And that's the thing. We were talking about this on a podcast over the weekend, Raleigh and I, that some people have asked on the side, you know, how do you get guests on a podcast? How do you know all these people? And it's Twitter, man. Like anyone can get anyone on a podcast over Twitter. You're right. All you gotta do is ask. And like you just said, nine out of 10 times, they're going to say yes. Kind of. You'll be surprised how many people that I've been able to reach out to that you actually see like on TV and, and what have you like to have on podcast simply through using Twitter. I mean, Twitter is like one of the most powerful tools in the world, if you ask me, especially for a journalist. So uh, yeah, man, y'all reached out to me. I was like, look, man, I can't pass that up. I mean, if they can get me on the right time, I'm game and here we are. No, we appreciate you coming on. So did I get all of your credentials right? Because like whenever we whenever we have someone on, they always have, and, and you know, obviously because you're involved with so many things, there's 20 mm-hmm. different things in your bio. So I want to make sure I got all of them right. Did I did I get the podcast and the Jaguars wire, which is a mouthful, all, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything in the bio is some other extra stuff in there that I do on the side. But it's, you know, it's non-Jags related. So it's all good, man. You got it right. So uh, explain... I know we talked a little bit on the mic before we got on. Born and raised Jaguars fan. Born and raised, you know, how did you get into uh, Jaguars fandom? And then how did you start writing and podcasting about the team? So for me, I live halfway between, I live in Georgia, Southwest Georgia. I live halfway between the midway point between Atlanta and Jacksonville is where I live, essentially. So coming up as a kid, in the 90s, 95, when the Jaguars came around, that was the time when actually NBC actually showed the Jaguars. I don't know if y'all remember that, but the Jaguars, once upon a time, came on NBC. And uh, they would show them at like 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of would get to see Falcons games living in Georgia at 4 o'clock. They would come on Fox. So I kind of call the Falcons like my second team, if you will, but uh, the Jaguars was the team that I saw first every day as a kid growing up. And then um, my sister and um, her husband moved out here and they bought me Jags gear. As soon as they got the team, the inaugural year, they bought me a Jag starter jacket, sent it to me. And that's how I became a fan is because like that was the first piece of basically NFL merchandise that I owned was as a Jaguars fan. It's like literally the same old jackets you used to see Tom Coughlin in the pictures in 95 era wearing the same teal jacket that him and Bo Selly and all of them used to rock. So, you know, like that's how I got into it is through my sister and her brother-in-law who actually lived here. And um, I actually would come and visit them. And they actually lived like five miles at the time from the, the where the Jag Stadium was. Okay. So like I was literally like living downtown during the summer when I would come to visit them. And uh, that's how my Jags fandom pretty much started. You had me at you had me at '90s starter jacket. Yeah, I saw you jumped out of your chair when he said starter jacket. So did I. So awesome. That's a selling yeah. point right there. You give a kid a starter jacket of any team, and he's a lifelong fan right there. Right there, man. I wore that thing until I couldn't, and I grew out of it. And we uh, just bought. We, Rowan and I just bought our own over the summer. We call them our podcasting jackets. Same thing. They're not like I don't think they're branded starter, but they look like those starter jackets. You'll retro nineties, eighties yeah, jackets. That's the hottest those. thing out there. I love it so much. I've so, seen those. James, when I was doing my my homework before having you on and just reading mm-hmm. about the Jags all season long, 
we have a lot of things in common, what you guys have going on this year and what we've had going on in the past. Uh, first things first, I saw that today, your guys' entire defensive staff is shut down on, or not in the facility because of COVID. Right. What's the deal there? Is it just the coaches? Right. So it's the defensive staff, basically. Uh, from what I read, it was from Mike Garofolo, who's pretty – uh, well-connected when it yeah. comes to Jaguars news and Ian Rappaport, too, as well. I mean, shout-outs to him. He's actually been on our podcast. He's a cool dude, too. But, like, they know their stuff. But basically what it's – Humble brag. <laughs> no, no. No, oh, That's no, they, awesome. That's awesome. I want them on ours. They barely have the time, man. But they are they such humble, nice guys, man. Uh, Garofolo, I haven't really spoke to him, but Ian is so cool, man. But – um. Yeah, so basically, uh, uh, from how I gather it, is a coach on the defensive staff uh, was tested positive for COVID. When you do contact tracing and trace who all he's been around, of course, he's been around all of the other defensive coaches as well. Yeah. So if we put two, the two, two and two together, it sounds like they did the contact tracing, um, and he was around some other coaches on the defensive staff, which made them have to quarantine all of the defensive coaches. Of course, the offensive course coaches are probably on the other side of the hallway doing their own thing or whatever the case may be. So it didn't apply to them. But, um, yeah, I, I guess like now, basically, it's just a matter of not necessarily the whole staff. Uh, is dealing with COVID, but for uh, for precautionary measures, uh, they're probably just quarantining them because, as we all know, like week by week, the NFL are stepping up and ramping up these COVID protocols to where, like, you got to follow the rules to the T or you're going to get hit with one of those fines that the Titans got. And uh, I don't think nobody's trying to pay a $200,000, dollars fine yeah. uh, to Roger Goodell right now. You got to kind of, it's impressive the way that, you know, you would think if one person tested positive or just is exposed to it, the mm -hmm. whole facility would shut down. But the fact that they can now just isolate it to certain rooms and certain yep. parts of the staff is pretty impressive. And that's all over the league. So they've got this really figured out. I mean, yeah. maybe. I don't know if they're full of shit or not. It could just be true. We, we want to play and we need at least our offensive coaches going on. So we're going to make up a scientific sounding thing that our guys are in the clear. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, you know, because like how the league is, what we're seeing with the league really is they are jumping through hula hoops to avoid stopping games now, because they're at the yeah. point where they can't, they can't have any more game stoppage. All of the bye weeks are what pretty much over, if not over, and mm -hmm. at this point, like, if you have to stop a game during the week, then you just throw a mad fork in all of the NFL games in their entirety from this point on. And, like, that just goes to show you, like, the owners really did all they could, basically, in my opinion, to have a season. And it wasn't really all that thought out when, when they uh, – and they had – the crazy thing about it is they had the longest – uh, run basically in terms of being able to watch COVID and make evaluations. They saw what the NBA went through. They saw what the MLB went through. And here we are still going through this. They should have probably took a bubble approach. That probably would have been the smartest thing, but that's kind of hard to do with 32 teams. That being said, uh, here we are. And, uh, you know, they have to do things like, like you and uh, Raleigh just said, like, Maybe the whole staff was exposed to it, but, you know, I guess we yeah. don't know. But I think the Jaguars, the good thing about the Jaguars facility, though, I'll give them this, is their facility is basically they run out of the stadium. So it is pretty spread out. Like, and, like, the facility, like, it's times where you don't get to see people from the staff 
because they're on the other side of the state, on the other side of the hall. So it is a right. widespread facility. Uh, and that, that was one of the luxuries in summer camp is they could separate their people into four locker rooms in terms of the the different uh, okay. players. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of their players were well-separated rookies, so on and so forth. So I wouldn't put it past them that they really are, like, on different sides of the, the, the facility, if you will. Why did you guys get rid of Ronnie Harrison? It wasn't working out with Ronnie here. Um, and, and sometimes you see this with players, especially defensive backs. It's kind of common where they don't catch on with a certain team. They go to another team. They catch on. They catch fire. Prime example, Sidney Jones, Philadelphia Eagles, cut him. Uh, it wasn't going right there. He dealt with some injuries there. He comes to Jacksonville. The dude is the best corner on the team already. And he has like a PFF grade of like, 70 or 80 or something like that and you know here we are talking about having to extend the guy so sometimes it's just you need a breath of fresh air especially it's common again with defensive backs and ronnie just wasn't working out and and one of the things is too is i think the jacksonville jaguars just wanted to get rid of all of the guys that they felt like necessary and this ain't to say ronnie's a bad guy or anything like that but um you know some of their they had a clash of personalities in their locker room and, you know, some people say that he was a part of, like, one side of that clash of personalities. And uh, that may have led to it as well. You know, nothing concrete on it, but it's just something that's always floated around. Uh, but, look, man, Ronnie uh, is a guy that I was high on when we drafted him third round, came from Alabama. You know he's NFL ready, and it's translating with the Browns. And he's going to be uh, – he's going to have a fire lit under him when he plays us on Sunday. And, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it if the guy, like, goes out and ball out against us, to be honest with you. Speaking of your secondary, I saw that you guys lost your entire secondary against the Steelers. What's the deal there? Yeah. And, so well, by the way, I we went through that buzzsaw already as well against the Steelers. So we had a very similar score to what you guys had over the weekend. So we, we feel that right. pain. Y'all went through the injury bug, too, in your secondary, too, because that's why that's what led y'all to run, right? So y'all know exactly what we're talking about here. But, um, yeah, man, like, it was just like I was, our defensive backs were dropping like flies, man. Um, it was uh, – at first it was – I think it was DJ Hayden, our nickelback, who – he was, a like, a top 100 player last year. And that's kind of hard to say because he plays nickel. He doesn't even see the field, quote, unquote, 100% of the time. Uh, but he is probably not going to play this week. I'll have to look at the injury report because, again, I've been on the road. Uh, but he's probably not going to play. It's an arm injury with him. Uh, C.J. Henderson had to be placed on IR last week. That's our first-round rookie cornerback from Florida. Uh, he had a groin injury, and he injured that in practice. So he's gone for three weeks. Well, it'll be two weeks now uh, because he's already served the game under that. So that's that's two guys right there that – are going off of the rip. Um, so, yeah, like, they've just been hit with the injury bug in general. Uh, Chris Claybrooks, I know he had some injuries during the game, uh, Sunday's game against the Steelers. And, again, look, the Steelers are as physical as they come. Y'all know that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the, and the history with the Jags and the Steelers, it's always physical. It's like literally most of the time when they play each other, both teams limp out or one team limp out of that game. They just, The hatred for each other is that deep and like, it's just a physical game. So it was kind of expected. Minka. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yep. So, so yeah, man, like we're basically looking at like a secondary that'll be like mostly full of reserves, which is, you know, why when I DM'd you, I was like, y'all probably got this one in the bag because not only are the DBs hurt, but um, Josh Allen, you know, he while he avoided catastrophe, 
as a pass rusher, he, he avoided an ACL injury. It's no structural damage. He's going to miss weeks. And he was placed on um, IR to, today, as a matter of fact. I saw that as I was coming up the stairs. So, you know, the pass rushes in there, we're missing guys in the secondary. It's, it's really the Browns game to take, albeit y'all are dealing with injuries as well. Well, that's why I, you said DM for those listening. I DM'd him earlier and said, we got two very banged up teams playing each other yep. on Sunday because now Denzel Ward is out. Miles Garrett's out for us. Those are our two best defensive players. And I looked at uh, you guys in this last game. I saw two corners, one safety, Josh Allen, a lineman. Like you guys were just like you said, dropping like flies. Mm -hmm. So two very injured teams. One more thing that I, I saw that was very similar to us too. You know, we talked mm -hmm. about uh, the COVID stuff. We've been through that. Injuries been through that. I saw you guys are on multiple kickers through the season as well because mm -hmm. your other kicker is now or your kicker from last weekend is now on COVID protocol. You lost your other kicker two weeks ago to a season ending hip injury. So I, again, it's our seasons are very, very different this year, mm -hmm. but I'm looking at a Browns cookie cutter season from like a few years past right now with you guys. Yeah, it's funny uh, because the Jaguars number one kicker, Josh Lambeau, is arguably the second best kicker in football. Um, the gentleman is at uh, Justin Tucker that's in uh, Baltimore, of course, is the best. Automatic. Automatic, automatic. But Josh uh, Lambeau, the crazy thing about it is this is the guy they got out of like just – he was a, a street free agent two years ago. And uh, that being said, uh, he finally played for the Chargers, played some in the NLS a little bit. He was moving for him. But his issue has always been staying healthy. And, and uh, he went on IR one time for a hip injury after or before the Dolphins game and had to go on IR again a few weeks ago. And as we all know, when you go on IR twice, you're gone for the season by this year's standards. So he can't come back. And uh, now they're on Chase McLaughlin, who actually has been kicking. He's been the best kicker that they've got off the street since Lambo, of course. Off the streets. Um, yeah, like off <laughs> the streets. Oh, he, has, he hasn't missed yet. He hasn't yeah, missed yet. And, you know, like the unique thing about him was I thought when they played him against Green Bay, it was a reason they signed him because McLaughlin, he played, you know, he spent a little bit of time on practice squad in Minnesota in bad conditions. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he's been oh, yeah. a part of that division. And I think, like, it's a reasoning behind that why they target a guy that he's, like, I looked at his career. He's mostly spent all his career up north with teams up north. I think he played for, like, the Bills, and it was some other teams. Uh, so, like, the weather down here, down south, was probably no big deal for him because he's used to kicking in such, like, harsh conditions. And we'd like to do a little checkup on our boy, uh, a Cleveland Browns legend, uh, Joe Schobert. <laughs> How's he uh, been performing down in Duval, uh, for the most part, not so well, not so well. Uh, yeah, he got and paid. He got paid. <laughs> he got paid, and that's the you know for me as a writer, and you guys understand this too. Doing in, in the craft of journalism, middle linebacker is a hard position to play. It's not. It's a. It's a reason why Bobby Wagner is like literally the only main middle linebacker you hear about because it's you know you're essentially the quarterback of the defense. And nine times out of 10, like, it's just hard to find that guy at Mike Linebacker. I mean, it's a few other guys that you can point out. Like, it's five, but it's a handful is what I'm literally saying. So, look, when the Jaguars spent the money that they spent on him in free agency, to me, and probably you guys knew too because y'all are Browns fan and y'all witnessed him for four years, I knew it was a good chance that he wasn't going to be a guy that graded well, quote-unquote, on PFF or looked all that well. But, he's, you know, he's struggled with missing tackles so on and so forth. But at the same time, like, for me, 
I believe the Jacksonville Jaguars need to move to a 3-4 because they really don't put their players in the best position that they should be. To me, you look at their personnel, they really should be a 34 team, in my opinion. And I think, like, if they ever move to that, which they won't this year, of course, because it's like the year is almost over. But if they ever did that, I think that would benefit him very well, as well as, like, not just him, but, like, the defense in general, because, like, it's not just him struggling. Everybody named, not named Miles Jack or Gerard Wilson or Sidney Jones has struggled on this defense pretty much. I got to imagine switching schemes, particularly when you are, like I said, the quarterback of the defense Mm -hmm. wouldn't be an easy transition. That's not like he's going to the Ravens or the Steelers is going to a team where Mm -hmm. you're on your third and fourth man up position. So, but yeah, he's uh say what you want about him, but that guy, if there is an issue in the locker room or like some type of, he is a captain that you want and he will figure it out. He's not the kind of guy that gets paid and gives up. Granted, he also had a kid, so that probably sucks. Oh, right. Oh, Raleigh. That's a big part of why the Jazz wanted him in that locker room. As I told you guys, they had a lot of personalities in their locker room that didn't gel all that well. And the reason they went to get Joe Schobert and they literally asked him this in the interview. I saw this on the Pat McAfee show. He said it. Uh, the, one of the first things they asked him, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, who is the GM, is, uh, you know, like, are you ready to be a leader for a locker room that needs leadership? You know, I'm just paraphrasing. That's not exactly yeah. what they said. But, and he was like, yeah, I'm ready to be that. And he has been that for the most part, you know, because they missed that since the days of happening. Their guy in the locker room that kept everything together used to be Paul Puslusny. As we all know, he retired many years ago, three, mm-hmm. four years ago. And ever since he left, that locker room just didn't gel like it should. And it was just a clash of personalities. And I think Joe Schobert does help with that. We missed the show. He was a big part of this team. And I am thoroughly glad for him and his wife and kid that they got paid. And hopefully things turn around for them just after this game specifically. I do not want him to have a career year or a career game where he just gets like four picks or something um, despite the Browns. Obviously uh, going one and nine is Mm -hmm. not what you would have hoped for. Been there. uh, We have been there. We've, we've been, we've been zero and nine twice in our lifetime. Um, Yeah. We haven't even, I don't even know if we've been one and nine. No, we've only been zero and nine. What were the expectations for the Jags this year? Realistically that you had going into this season. Well, it was a different set of expectations. If you ask journalists like me and my co-host Phil and people at the Jaguars Wire, it was three to four wins, you know, like realistically. But there were some fans that believed in Gardner Minshew enough to the point where they thought he could get six, seven, eight wins. Uh, don't think – I've never felt that that was the case. I, I've been always bullish on Gardner Minshew. Uh, because I've seen way too many quarterbacks, and I'm sure you all have seen your share of quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, start, start off all great on their first year, you know, and then, like, it just goes down to crap for the second year. And um, that being said, uh, Minshew has had he's, – he's been somewhat of the problem, but the main problem has been the defense. Like, the defense was letting people drop 30 on them routinely in the first half of the season. And again, that's part of it is because, you know, Todd watched their defensive coordinator uh, is just using a scheme that is probably outdated and one that simply isn't working. And I feel like they're more of a 314. And then on top of that, you got Gardner Minshew, who's had some 
issues in the pocket where he's been skittish. Come to find out, you know, he had a thumb injury he sustained against the Texans week five. And, uh, you know, that can make you a little skittish in the pocket, I guess, if you, you know, if you're dealing with that. And that also explained why the ball was coming out of his hand like mad funny. Uh, and we couldn't put our finger on it. Like, we didn't know at the time. But, uh, you know, he was throwing, like, all of these duck wobbly passes. It kind of felt Blake Bortles-ish, you know, and that's no disrespect to Blake. But we knew something was up. And, uh, you know, like, that kind of throw, threw a fork in his uh, his season. And, again, the skittishness in the parking it and all that, it just – it just didn't gel for him this year like it gelled in last year. Like, the guy literally came out against the Kansas City Chiefs in his first game and, like, threw 27 or 23 consecutive completions. Uh, you know, teams have film on you now and so on and so forth. You got a different offensive coordinator and all of that, and it's not working out. So, yeah, between all of those issues, that is why the Jaguars are where they are. But, I mean, when you boil it down to the meat and potatoes of it, it basically boils down to – Shad Khan should have basically moved on from Doug Marone to Dave Caldwell at the beginning of the year or the, the end of last season and uh, moved on to a new regime and, and got some more guys in here. But here we are, and uh, we'll have to deal with that likely this year. We'll see. You know, Shad Khan is kind of quiet, and he's a guy that's uh, he's been kind of stubborn to move away from people. But it's it's that time for Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone. Yeah, I was curious to hear what you said about that, you know, coming into this year, because last year with the Minshew Magic, that guy came in with just a boatload of swag and just mm-hmm. people love that guy. So I was curious to hear if you guys came in riding that wave and, you know, what you thought. So it was interesting to hear that you guys expected three or four wins. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton, Jake Lutton, Mike Glennon, who was playing quarterback against the Browns this Sunday? I feel like it's going to be Gardner Minshew. He's going um, to be healthy. Uh, he'll. I don't know if he'll be healthy. It's kind of like the one of those things that yeah. Raleigh was saying. Uh, Raleigh was saying earlier, like we'll never know type of thing. I think we'll never know if he's truly a hundred percent healthy. But I believe he'll be healthy enough to play uh, and go. But that's just me and my personal gut feeling. Luton. I mean, Luton probably could have more success than he did against the Steelers. Like the Steelers are like an elite defense right now. I mean, oh, absolutely. Know. Yeah, like. What did you, it's like for the fans? What did you expect him to go out there and do against that defense? Like, let's be real about it. Um, and then he went out there and played in like 25 uh, mile per hour wins against the Green Bay Packers. But in the Texas game, he actually had some decent tape. Um, it was some pick, some picks they could have had against him. But uh, that being said, I think uh, the staff is at this point they might be grasping for straws because you know some jobs are on the line. And they'll probably go back to Minshew to basically try and save what little bit of the season they can because they're pretty much next on the, the list of teams, basically, uh, that'll be out of playoff contention with, like, basically another loss or two. So, again, I, we're Raleigh and I are professionals at finding bright spots in dark mm-hmm. areas from being Browns fans our entire lives. Let's talk about – let's switch. I want to talk about James Robinson. Mm-hmm. So, fifth player in the Super Bowl era to go undrafted and then rushed for more than a thousand yards in his rookie season. So this kid's a stud. And we had one of Raleigh's buddies is a, a fantasy football guru. So he always comes on before the start of every season to do a fantasy right. episode with us. And we said, who's the one guy that no one's drafting, but you should. And he, right away, he goes, James Robinson. He's going to mm-hmm. be a freak. So talk about your boy. I mean, this kid is something else. Undrafted and then a right. thousand yards. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's funny. You, you mentioned your y'all's buddy that does fantasy football. Me and Phil and the Jaguars Wire and the Jack Believe in Jazz podcast warned people about James Robinson. 
It was funny. I put in him a good on, way? In a in good a way good or a bad way? way. Okay, in okay, okay. Way. Yeah, it was funny. I put him on our first, after, I guess you could say the first pre-draft uh, roster prediction that I did, the 53-man roster. I actually put him on there as a, um, you know, like a fourth running back option or a third running back option. And people was like, like, who is this undrafted kid that you got, like, making a team with Fournette and Divine Ozigbo and all of this? And I was like, literally, go look at the tape of him at Illinois State. And when you put on the tape of him, look, you don't see this guy that necessarily runs away from people and has 4-3 speed like Maurice Jones Drew did. But it for me, what stood out was getting the tough yardage, the, you know, the four-yard gains, the eight-yard gains, so on and so forth. He excelled in that. Uh, he excelled in that, like, to a strong degree. And, you know, it's that ability for him. It's not a lot of dancing. He gets to the line of scrimmage. He's cutting up field, and he's doing it with authority. And his acceleration from that zero to 10-yard range is pretty good, and that's what's giving teams issues as well. So, you know, you got this guy that, you know, while Leonard Fournette was known as this kind of powerhouse guy, uh, there was a lot of dancing getting to the um, line of scrimmage. And, you know, there was some indecisiveness, indecisiveness in terms of picking holes and there were vision issues. Those are the things that James Robinson succeeds in. And that's why you're seeing the Jaguars roll the dice, took a gamble on him, let Fournette go because they saw he excelled in those traits that he didn't have. And uh, we're very lucky to have him. You know, while I, you know, most fans and myself will say Dave Caldwell should be fired. One thing we can't complain about is he's been able to find skilled guys in undrafted free agency. Alan Hearns, um, Alan Lazard, who no longer is with the team. That's the issue. That's why people want Dave Caldwell gone. He can't hang on to people. But, mm. you know, those are two guys that we got out of undrafted free agency. And then you got James Robinson. You know, when you look at Dave Caldwell's resume, if he's fired, you know, if a GM's looking at his or a owner is looking at his resume, that is what's going to stand out is what he was able to find an undrafted free agency and have success with. That's a good point. And yeah, you're right. That's hard to do. It's hard to find, especially people who have that eye and can do it. Mm. So before we let you go get back to your normal life, because we've taken up <laughs> plenty of your time here tonight, I want to talk about what are your expectations for Sunday? Um, you can include a score or not. And then mm. sprinkled on top, what are you guys taking in the draft this upcoming year? And who is your, if you guys already talked about on your podcast, I'm sure you have, maybe, maybe not. Uh, do you have an ideal candidate for your next head coach if and when they get rid of the staff right now? In terms of the prediction, I actually, uh, it'll come out Wednesday. If y'all ever see a USA Today uh, sports magazine paper in y'all's local stores, pick it up. Uh, but, I mean, I'll give y'all the preview of it pretty much. I think it was, I went with 14 to 28 in favor of the Browns. But that was before all of these injuries piled up. I mean, I knew how our condition coming out of that game was, but now I'm seeing you guys are losing people too. So it might be a little bit lesser than that now, but still like 14-21, 14-24 in favor of the Browns is what I'm thinking. Uh, you guys still should win. Um, the Jaguars basically are probably going to struggle to rush the passer. Uh, Baker Mayfield probably should have a good game. And not only that, the Jaguars have been atrocious against the run too. And that's what you guys do best. You're the third best, uh, the third ranked Russian team, if I'm not mistaken. Last time I checked, Nick Chubb, I'm a UGA guy, big fan of Nick Chubb. Go dogs. I've seen every piece of film you can watch on Nick Chubb. <laughs> um, <laughs> so shout out. Big fans, to him. big fans, yeah. Uh, and then um, He's whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he, that guy's not special. Also, but, uh, that that was an unreal plug. Like you just you read USA Today in print or online, just pick it up tomorrow if you want my prediction. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that when was you, sick. When you were reading the credentials, you forgot the whole USA Today prediction. <laughs> no, thing. I put it. I put it. Oh, I bad. just didn't realize it was in print too. But now we learned something else. So this will all be in the episode description. We'll have James's contact and and everything mm-hmm. there. But sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, no, you good. By the time this come out, the, the paper will be out anyway. So, you know, I guess I there didn't you go. Really preview it um, all that much. Um, but, yeah, man, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, you know, you can say what you want about him in terms of his issues prior to coming to Cleveland. There are but, none. Uh, but if you're talking about uh, his ability as a football player, he's talented. Uh, so, y- you guys, between those two alone, y'all should be fine because I watch is not going to be able to stop the run. In terms of uh, the candidates, we briefly talked about this because we don't want to be a dead drum. But it's, I mean, for me personally, that's my favorite thing to talk about is the future because the future does look bright for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It came I'm, to the right podcast for that. Trust me. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, well, first I'll say this for if they're picking second, like they're projected to pick now or even first, and that's going to be a long shot because I don't see the Jets winning the game. But if the Jets slip up and somehow by some miracle win a game, Without a doubt, you go Trevor Lawrence. That's the yeah. best thing that could happen to Jacksonville. Um, and then if they're at second, you still go quarterback, in my Justin. opinion. Justin Fields. You know, so it's right now it's not really a lot of thinking that needs to go behind it. If you no GM can overthink this literally. It's common yeah. sense. Um, nobody's gonna come in here as a GM and say, Hey, I'm gonna roll with Gardner Minshew. You know, the guy <laughs> he's look, he's a good number two, probably at best. He can win you some games if you needed him come in, four games or whatever the case may be. But if you're a GM and you say, I'm gonna roll with Gardner Minshew for my first year, you need to be fired instantly instead of taking one of these young quarterbacks that's in the draft, like uh, like I said, Fields, Lawrence, Wilson. I, you know, I mean, like Kyle Trask, despite being a Georgia Bulldog fan, I like him as well. So, you know, they got options out there. And then in terms of the GM candidacy, um, some of the guys, like my personal favorite is um, Gunsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. He's one of their executives. I mean, like, literally, and the reason for that is because basically everything that comes out of the Chiefs front office is gold, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you see uh, Chris Ballard with the Colts. While the Colts, you know what I'm saying, they're, I guess they're second in the division right now, or they might be first, actually, now. But, look, when you look at what Ballard has drafted, they've been pretty good. They just haven't, haven't been able to figure out quarterback because they're drafting in the back of the order all the time or middle midway through the order. But, you know – yeah, you look at these other Kansas City Chiefs disciples, they've been able to have success in other areas, in other teams. So that's my guy from that standpoint. Um, I also wouldn't mind uh, him bringing Brian B or Eric B enemy with him as well. Um, Big but, name. That's like the name right now for a head coach job next right, year. Right, but I, th- I understand for Eric, the circumstances have to be extremely right because, uh, you know, African-American coaches don't get the fairest shot. But that's exactly why I believe he's a good fit for Jacksonville. As we just discussed, Shad Khan is extremely patient, extremely patient. Dave Caldwell has been there eight years, guys, with one winning season. Eight years, one winning season. That was 2017. Doug Marone has been there four years, one winning season out of four. So Gus Bradley was there with four, almost four. They fired him in November, but almost four. He had one of the worst uh, records you could have as a head coach. So the patience is there, and that's exactly the type of situation if you're Eric B. Enemy, you look for. And that's from that standpoint, they're perfect. 
but the standpoint that they don't already have a franchise quarterback might scare him away. But, you know, it's we'll see. Time will tell. Bienemy is the name. He's going to be one, if not the hottest candidate out there this offseason for a team. So, um, but James Johnson, sir, thank you again so much for coming on. We will have all his contact info in the episode description. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, let's hope for a good game. Uh, my, my prediction is I'm thinking kind of uh, more like a, a 20 to 14 Browns kind of thing. Uh, it's just uh, something about going from playing in a typhoon 30 degree weather the last three games at home to then going tropical that's just too right. quick of a shift for me um so we'll see how let's just hope that not, neither team has any more injuries and uh we get a good game on sunday yeah i wouldn't rule it out i mean before that steelers game the jazz were pretty competitive in their last three games before that so i mean these teams are i mean they're more evenly matched with them than they are the Steelers. So we could see a very well like competitive game. No, no real intelligent Browns fan will ever look down <laughs> or, or take another team lightly, no matter who it is, no matter what season we're having, because right, we, right. we know damn well what the other side of that coin looks like. So James, thank you again, sir. We really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. And we'll do this again sometime soon. 5713, 5713. I am that fan. <laughs> All right. Thanks, James. Thanks, James. All right. Yeah, have a good one, man. You too, man. Baby, a song you make me wanna roll my windows down and cruise. Thank you once again to James for coming on and giving us a preview of what to expect of our matchup in Jacksonville this weekend. That does it for Raleigh and I. Once again, happy Thanksgiving to all. Check out the Munilau payphone number in the description. We'll see you after their holiday. Good night, Cleveland. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well seasoned. Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms when they left fully loaded for Cleveland. Then later that night when the ship's bell rang, could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound of November come stealing The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait when the gales of November came slashing When afternoon came it was freezing rain in the face of a hurricane west wind
time came, the old cook came on deck saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you. At 7 p.m. a main hatchway gave in, he said, fellas, it's been good to know you. The captain wired in, he had water coming in, and the good ship and crew was in peril. Later that night when his lights went out of sight Came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Does anyone know of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours. The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay if they'd put 15 more miles behind her. They might have split up or they might have capsized. They may have broke deep and took water. And all that remains is the faces and the names of the wives and the sons and the daughters Lake Huron Rose Superior sings in the rooms of her ice water mansion Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams The islands and bays are for sportsmen And farther below Lake Ontario Takes in what Lake Erie can send her and The iron boats go as the mariners all know With the gales of November remembered Gives up for dead when the gales of November come early. 